Hey everyone, my name is Derek and I am a dildo smith. I'm the creator of Amavidi and I make dildos every day. I'm here to do the weekly AMA, ask me anything. Boy, I blew that. I'm here to do the weekly AMA, ask me anything. This is Ask a Dildo Smith, where I answer your questions about all things relating to dildos, dildo making, or anything else that might come up. So yeah, um, here I am. I am on my own. Uh, George is off doing a, uh, she's filming something. I, she's working on a show, um, requires some, some video work and some, some things. And so she's out doing that this evening. And so here I am on my own, flying blind and trying to make sure this doesn't blow up. Um, actually, you may have noticed as that scene transition happened, went through and did some changes to the, the backgrounds and some of the layouts and kind of eh, just spiffed things up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I did that this week. Um, I think I mentioned got a little bit of new equipment. Um, got, let me switch over to that one. Got a new camera on this side, although this camera is still um, one of my originals, but it's it's a nice one, so it works just fine. Um, so got some a new camera. Um, also got a new microphone. Hopefully this doesn't boom when I set it down. Um, so yeah, just a little spiffing up here and there. Um, what else? Uh, last week we did shore hardnesses. Um, talked about the different scales and how to read the, the various, uh, hardness scales and, you know, double O versus an A, um, an A10 versus an A25, etc. So, um, if you have inter any interest in the short hardness scales and how that relates to silicone and things like that, then you're welcome to go back to the YouTube. And I don't think I have posted it yet. Maybe I'll, I, it's uploaded, but it hasn't been released. I don't think maybe, I don't know. It's episode 29. So, um, yeah. I realized this week also that I've been doing this for like six months now. Um, this is episode 30, I think. Uh, I, th I think I skipped two episodes in there, various things, holidays and uh, sickness. But um, yeah, so I've been doing this for about six months now um, and just trying to get my head around it a little bit. It's definitely something I enjoy. It's something that is very much out of my comfort zone. And it's something that I think is going to be, I have plans for it that could make it great again. I, not great again. I think there are things I could do to make it grow and, and be more uh, useful to the, the, the community. Uh, I'd love to bring back guests and I think with some of the other hardware improvements, a new motherboard and um, rearranged a few things. So I think with all the hardware upgrades and everything, I think I can start bringing guests back on and uh, not feel bad when the screen cuts out in the middle. Uh, let's see. Oh, you will have to give me a heads up on the music in the background. Again, I've rebuilt everything, so it's kind of hard for me to know whether or not the, the music in the background is distracting or not. So yeah, um, I would be remiss if I never mentioned my website where you can find all of our toys and such. That would be www.amavidi.com. That's A-M-A-V-I-D-I.com or amavidi.etsy.com. So let's see. Oh, one of the things I did also this week, I don't know if you can see this. I got a little, 
it's called a touch portal or well the app is called touch portal and let's see oh, it's this camera now but i have buttons that do various things like i can hit a button and it goes to a screen that says next question or this is one that i kind of like this, this is just kind of a, one of those things but i can turn off the cameras so yeah that way if there's something going on in the background that you shouldn't see, then I can shut down, shut off the cameras. Um, what else? Um, there's been a lot going on this week. I don't know if I mentioned, I also hired a new minion and she, she actually started about three or four weeks ago and Things are going well enough that I'm having to bring in new people and uh, new staff. And actually, I'll mention this also because this is kind of important. Not to you guys. It is, it's important to me. But let me see if I can do, do this. There it goes. Ooh, and now when I bring up my browser, I still have my camera down in the bottom right-hand corner. Anyway. I'm a geek, I'm a nerd, I like these kinds of things. Anyway, I signed a lease a couple weeks ago on a new space, and here is a drawing of that space. It's um, about 1,200 square feet. Um, so, you know, it's not huge or anything, but it's an upgrade from where we are now. And I'm actually having them build in these two rooms right in here. Um, one of them is going to be specifically for casting resin and then the other one is going to be for casting silicone uh, pouring silicone and then this area out here is just going to be kind of general workspace but each of these are going to have specific ventilation for them uh, specific lighting and you know i have ideas i, mean, I would love to like put cameras in here Put some GoPros up in the corners and then be able to, you know, do live streams while I'm pouring. But, you know, things will happen as we come back along. Um, yeah. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, find a lease. Um, technically, we take possession on April 1st, which is about three or four days from now. But those two rooms have to be built out. So it'll probably take a week or two to get the build out done. Um, then probably another week or so to get the move done. And probably another week after that to kind of settle into the space. So hopefully by the beginning of May, we'll be comfortable and back in full production and everything will be kosher. Let's see. Brand, brand, brand. I got so many comments here from you. What should I do? I have run dry. Oh, oh, you're talking about dong ideas. Uh, you've, you've run out of dong ideas. You never thought this day would come. What should I do? I've run dry. My well of inspiration hath run dry. Um, honestly, do something that is not dong related but creative i think that as creatives we get into this headspace and very focused on a specific category of creativity and we neglect some of those other areas um for me i like i like architecture um I like graphic design and I, these are the areas that I go to, to kind of draw inspiration, kind of re recharge my batteries a little bit. So yeah, and I realize it may be just a fun hobby for you, but I think that's, it's actually a good question um, because I think that there's kind of a misconception about creatives and notice I keep kind of avoiding the word artist and this is something I've been fighting with um, because I don't like to call myself an artist but 
I will say that I'm creative. And I think this is something that creatives kind of fight with a lot because we don't take the time to recharge and get inspiration from areas that we normally wouldn't. So yeah, I think that, and I realize, like you said, this is just a, a hobby for you, but I would say you can go to a museum and if you can find a non-traditional museum, uh, back in Seattle, I used to live in Seattle and back in Seattle, there was a, a glass museum and there was a, a huge, huge uh, section devoted to Chihuly and does beautiful glass work. And I think I might try to see if I can pull up Chihuly glass. Okay, I'm gonna do this. Browser share. All right. So these are some some of the works of Chihuly, and it might be kind of hard to see, but you know this is all glass up here. All of this is glass. Um, this was something I've loved. It was a hallway that you walked down and the ceiling was glass, uh, transparent glass. And there was a lot of his artwork, his glass work, um, laying on top of you. So it was like this interesting, you're walking in this hallway and you're just covered in this glass. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, here's another piece. And I wanna give you kind of a sense of scale here because I think that's something that gets lost in his work. Um, a lot of it, this is not um, the best, but you can kind of see it here. But, you know, these windows here, let's see if I can do this um, view image. These windows here are probably eight feet tall, six to eight feet tall. And these pieces here, this isn't specifically Chihuly because this is neon, but I don't think it's Chihuly. I don't know if he ever did any neon. Anyway, but this gives you a sense of the scale that he was working at. You know, these pieces here are maybe six feet tall. Here's another one, this tree. Again, this is probably six or eight feet tall. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And it's, um, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I love glass and I love glass blowing. I love the way that um, you can take something that is solid, make it liquid and then make it solid again. So being able to go to that museum and see the glass work. Also here in Tulsa, we have the uh, Philbrook Museum, which is a, a more traditional museum, but they have a gardens the Philbrook Gardens and it's there are parts of it that are very much that style of you know um, 18th century French topiary topiary is that the right word I think that's right um, where the, the hedges and everything are very strongly sculpted and um, it's absolutely gorgeous again but you know these are the areas that I kind of try to Try to push myself into because they have nothing to do with the the, the silicone casting world all right let me scroll back up here through the chat a little bit thank you i do appreciate that you uh, call me an artist i it's just a word that i i struggle with um i, I joke that i can't be an artist because i survived my 30s um, I joke that I can't be an artist because people actually buy my stuff. Um, I mean, to be an artist, you've got to be dead and never sold anything. So how can I be an artist if I'm not dead and I sell stuff? So, uh, yeah. Uh, Detroit, huh? Not much non-traditional. Actually, in Detroit, don't you have a Ford Museum? I think you do. That's again, that's another area that, you know, I love that sculptural work that 
is often done with um, especially certain periods of design and I think that there's a, a at least an automotive museum in Detroit so actually one of the things that I think is really cool let's see if I can find it there is a material and it's called Fordite F-O-R-D-I-T-E and what this is this is the buildup of paint in the various paint booths and stuff like that and you can see these these gorgeous layers of paint and as it builds up and builds up it kind of creates these layers and you get this kind of sedimentary design here but then you cut it and you get these pieces that look like this and then these can be made into different well, they can be cut down kind of like uh turquoise or lapis or things like that uh, some of those softer stones but you can take um, this material this fordite and yeah so i mean it doesn't matter where you are um detroit you know i'm in tulsa oklahoma all right so we're not exactly the bastion of um the art world here but i can find it let's see get back to here all right um there i think one of the things i'm going to do tonight is i'm going to go back through it was i didn't pay any attention to the dates or anything and i totally forgot to come up with a topic and so i'm kind of flying blind and been left here in charge with no supervision so I think what I'm going to do is kind of go back through some of the questions that have been asked in the past and answer them again. And maybe my answers have changed. I don't think so, but I'll be curious to see if they have or haven't. Now, before I do that, I want to jump over and make sure that I'm able to see all my notifications and if there are any questions or anything else that I need. So, um, questions that have often been asked and I might fly through them. I might dive into some of them, but um, we'll see. All right, Bran, talk about good designs versus bad designs. Uh, you're talking about specifically about dongs, dildos, or are you talking about ours? Because um, I think there are some our manufacturers who actually do a really good job with design. Um, it's actually one of my fascinations is with how companies and manufacturers specifically kind of come up with their design language. Um, Lamborghini is easy. Ferrari is fairly easy. You see a Lamborghini, you know, it's a Lamborghini. You see a Ferrari, you know, it's a Ferrari. You see a Rolls-Royce, you know it's a Rolls-Royce. But certain manufacturers, and I think Mazda is one of them that is really good about this, is they have a very specific design language. Um, and it is consistent across their range of models that they have. And there are certain things, certain elements that I can see and know that's a Mazda. So, to me, that's good design, is when you have recognizable style that people can see, and whether they realize it or not, they recognize it as, as your brand. Uh, okay, so specifically about dildos. Good designs versus bad designs in dildo. Hmm, what do you think? Um, I think... I hate to say this, but I think that the answer is it depends because a good design for anal play may not be the best design for vaginal play. And so, you know, um, vice versa, depending on the use and how the toy is going to be used, I think there are, are different criteria. I generally, and this is kind of 
how I focus is that I want my toys to be very versatile, whether somebody is using it for vaginal play or anal play, that it can be functional across various types of play. Now, I do have a few designs like the Versestin, the Twist, the Unicorn Horn uh, that are more specifically designed for anal play. Uh, they have a very, uh, I don't say very, it's not a pointed tip, but it's a, the tip is fairly narrow and then it widens out over, um, over its length. And so they're a little bit more specifically designed for anal play and introducing people to prostate prostate play or just general anal play in general. So to me that's that's good design specifically for a function. Now I think that if you're going for a particular style and I think that there are certain makers who are very good at the fantasy style. Bad Dragon, whatever you think of them in terms of price or customer service or anything else, they know how to design a toy that matches their specific brand and what they're going for. Um, I think that uh, Xenocat has, I think Xenocat Artifacts, um, has a really strong design language. I think that Built Up Beasts has a really good, strong design language. Uh, Strange Bedfellas, even some of the more niche categories. And I think, I wanna kind of, this is a fairly new company, but uh, I think it's Succulent Toys. Is that who it is? Succulent Designs, Succulent Toys, something like that. Um, which has a little bit more of a Laura type of spin to it. I think that if they develop that right, they can really cut out the niche for themselves and have a very strong design philosophy that sticks with it. There are some some folks who, and I'm not going to name any names, but if you go to Etsy and you search for silicone dildos, you'll find some folks who are doing designs that are I want to say disappointing, but they're just not very inspiring. So um, there are there are folks out there who are doing some really good work and really sticking to their design language and really sticking to the style that they want. And all right, um, what was that? Uh, bring back the labs for Blad Dra back Dra Bad Dragon, where it's community submitted. I get that. Um, there are some design limitations um, that some folks um, the community might not understand and so it can cause some problems in in manufacturing all right so the questions that i have been asked in the past uh, how did you get started and why did you start doing this i got started out of a it's kind of random it's I have a, a side, I say it's a side business. It's my main business actually, where I do a lot of custom engraving and resin casting and things like that. And in doing that, I had to work with silicone and had to create silicone molds for things. And eventually you know, I got pretty good at casting silicone and I was just like, well, what else can I do with this? This is a really interesting material. I like it. What else can I do with it? And managed to come up with, run across somebody who had a, there was an article, I say article, there was a forum thread on something awful. Um, and I read through that and it was kind of an eye opener to realize that there is a world out there that focuses on silicone toys and that the indie toy maker market actually exists. So my eyes were opened up to that. And then I started exploring the other makers and looking to see who was doing what and got inspired and decided I wanted to try it. So uh, why did I start doing this? 
Um, it's a, that's a good question. By the way, tonight's adult beverage is, it's actually rum and cherry Coke, but it, the rum itself is chocolate flavored. So it's like a, uh, chocolate covered cherry rum and Coke. So anyway, it's good. Um, I think the chocolate's a little bit strong. Uh, it's actually better if I can cut it with a little bit of Bacardi or something. Why did I start doing this? I thought that, and I found that it was a good way for me to explore my creativity. And I've always been one to kind of stick my middle finger up to not society, but you know, stick my finger up to the man a little bit. And it really rang true for me that this was a way that I could kind of stick it to society a little bit and kind of maybe even push society forward just a little bit, make it a little bit less puritanical. And so, yeah, um, I almost took it on as a mission to make things that uh, uh, surprise people. And uh, I would like, I have this goal in the back of my head that I want to do a boutique, an artistic boutique dildo store. And that's going to take some work because of some of the zoning regulations and things around here. But in the back of my head, it's something I want to do and it may be uh, it comes to fruition one day. Okay. Why did... Uh, Evernote logged me out. I was just sitting here looking at it and it logged me out. It had all my notes up. Well, this is a little annoying. I'm going to have to go back and find all my questions. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my, how did I get started and why did I get started? Um, what did, okay. What did your family think? when you came home and said, I want to make dildos. And this was kind of a general question because it wasn't specific to my family, you know, parents and things like that. But, you know, my partners and the, the folks that are near and dear to me. One of my girlfriends said, why would you do that? Aren't there enough dildos in the world already? The other one said, well, how hard could it be? And so it was, you know, Totally opposite ends of the spectrum. And, you know, uh, it was the question of, aren't there enough dildos in the world? Well, maybe, but then again, maybe not. And I'd like to figure that out. As to the how hard could it be? Well, I've, I want to say I've been training for this my whole life, but there have been a lot of things leading up to this that gave me the skills that allowed me to continue on. So it wasn't 100% negative or 100% positive. It was this kind of weird mix of, well, okay, versus, no, okay. And so, yeah. Um, now, a while after that, I told my parents about it. And my dad loved the idea. He was like, absolutely have fun with it. And, um, he was not offended at all. My mom was a little bit taken aback. Um, she was not quite, uh, wasn't really ready to have conversations about sex with her son, but it was, um, something they eventually came around to. My dad jokes that I'm building a dildo dynasty. And I wouldn't argue with that. I wouldn't say that's completely wrong, but uh, it's uh, it's slow going. Uh, but we're doing very well in terms of we're getting the product out there. People are enjoying it and we are exploring and developing new processes and things like that. You know, even to the point of uh, dual density designs. I think I've I'm not going to flog this completely, but you know, like this one, this is actually a giblis, but this is a giblis in a dual density design that 
you know, the core of it is very, very stiff and barely squished down here. But then come up to the head and I can really squish on that versus this part of the head, which is very stiff and the shaft is even stiffer. But it has this very nice, soft kind of combination. So yeah, um, we're, we're still experimenting and we're still developing and pushing ourselves to try to do better. Let's see. Oh, I didn't, didn't mention that. Um, but yeah, the dual density stuff, we actually sent out packages to all of our testers this last week. And at 75% of them have been received. The other 25% are still in the hands of the postal service. But the initial reactions have been, been really nice. And there've been a lot of good comments about it. And, you know, before it even gets to my testers, I have to feel real confident about it. Once the testers get it, then it's kind of a, an opportunity for me to go, okay, did I miss something? Did I forget something? And it's, uh, this is kind of that last phase of what's going on and what do you think about it? So we'll see. Um, we'll probably have the final comments and everything in back by probably by the end of next week. And then with the move and everything going on, maybe we'll have some out by the middle of April. Maybe it might be May 1st before we can get any of them out. Uh, but it's uh, been really happy with the way the dual density stuff has been going. All right. Ooh, I want to check uh, Twitter, see if there are any questions I need to come back to for that. Okay. What about Twitch? Any questions on Twitch? Is there actually anybody on Twitch? Who's on YouTube and who's on Twitch? Well, there's also people on Periscope, but I'm not, I don't know that I can see the chat on Periscope. Not entirely sure, but I am going to come back to my notes here. Hmm. Okay. This was a, a question that came up and I, uh, I liked it. Yeah. I kind of want to come back to it. All right. If you released a toy, and the example given was something in the equine category, just because everybody seems to have one. And then someone else released a toy with a very similar theme within a year. Let's say it's very similar. It's still an equine design, but uh, maybe it has a knot in it or something like that. How would you handle the inevitable Twitter storm? Um, and I'm going to kind of come back to the, the Twitter storm part of it because I think a Twitter storm is what you make it to be. But I think that, you know, the kind of the root, root of this question is how do you differentiate between your designs and somebody else's designs? And how personal do you take it when somebody else has a design that's very similar to you? Um, First off, I don't take it personally. If somebody comes up with a design that's very similar to mine, um, unless they actually make a copy, physical copy of something that comes out of my studio, it's not going to be the same. And their spin on it is not going to be my spin on it. And uh, I can't, I can't get too upset if somebody else comes up with a design that's very similar to mine, just because, I don't know, I, all I can say is that it's not my design and it's not my product. And so no matter how similar it is, it's still going to be different. And I'm okay with that. You know, kind of going back to what one of my question my girlfriend asked is, you know, isn't there enough dildos in the world already? Well, same question could be asked, you know, 
Aren't there enough dildo designs out there already? No, I think there's a ton of room out there for people to to come up with designs. I mean, at its root, what we do is we create objects that occupy a certain amount of space. And that's it. Um, what you do with that concept, um, you know, somebody like uh, Funkit, where they have their no frills dough. I love that idea. And I point people to Funkit all the time when they say, well, I don't want to spend $100 or $150 or whatever the price is on a silicone toy. Great. That's fine. Doesn't bother me a bit. Check out Funkit and their no frills, their no frills dough. And you'll have something that's safe, something that is good quality and something that is going to last. And at least, at least use something that is made out of a safe material like uh, platinum cured silicone. Try to stay away from the jellies and the TPEs, TPRs, etc. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm never really going to be offended unless somebody literally makes a casting of one of my toys, then it's, it's not going to bother me at all. So yeah, let's see. Oh, the end of the question was, how do you handle the inevitable Twitter storm? I, I don't think that the Twitter storm is inevitable. People are going to have their opinions and they're going to express them and Twitter is a great place for that, but I don't think it has to be a, a Twitter storm. I don't think it has to be a um, contentious interaction among folks who are in the community. Block, block molds or glove molds? I use almost exclusively glove molds. I have, nope, I have one design that was originally done with a block mold, but we redid it with a glove mold. So I am a glove mold guy. It's how I like to build my molds and it's a, it just works for me better. There are some folks out there who swear by their block molds and Absolutely. Yeah, if it works for them, great. I do remember the conversation with Built Up Beasts and the way that Built Up Beasts does their molds is kind of a hybrid between a block mold and a glove mold. Instead of it being a glove mold that you kind of build up layers on, they create a frame, they 3D print a frame that is just a little bit bigger than the design that they're making, but it'll be tapered and contoured to the design and set that around the design and then pour your, your silicone in. And what you end up with is this kind of hybrid between a block mold and a glove mold. You don't have the immense material invested like you would a block mold, but you have a little bit more stability than you would with a glove glove mold. Excuse me. So that's one that uh, there's kind of three ways of doing it: you know, black molds, glove molds, and this hybrid that's kind of in between. So yeah. Um, what else? Hmm. Should probably check. Um, actually, anybody out there on YouTube, Twitch, or anything else? There's some questions in the chat. Uh, I will try to make sure that I get to them and I'm kind of sitting, I'm flipping back and forth between YouTube and Twitch and trying to keep myself organized. So let's see what else. Hmm. Okay. This was another question I get asked a lot. Uh, what software do you use? I do all of my 3d printing. Yeah, I do all my 3D printing now through um, with my Prusa 
Mark 3S. Mark 3S Plus, I think it is now. Um, so you know, I use the Prusa software to do my slicing and, and my 3D prints. My 3D modeling, 3D designs are done either in Fusion 360 or ZBrush. I think that they each have their very, there are certain areas that they are very strong at. Fusion 360 is great for, when I say mechanical or architectural style, while ZBrush is much better at organic shapes. I have a bit of a drafting background and so Fusion 360 is actually kind of a better match for the way that my, my brain works. But I can't do organic shapes in that. And so Fusion, I'm sorry, ZBrush is an excellent tool for organic shapes. Um, the company that does ZBrush, uh, it's gonna cost you about 300 bucks to get into ZBrush for their um, their entry level, and then they have their, their full version, but their entry level is about 300 bucks. They also have one, oh, I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but they have software that I kind of abandoned, but it still works. Um, it starts with a, we start with a sphere and the company is called Pixologic. And they have ZBrush and I don't remember what the other one is. Oh, I've lost it. Maybe I can find it. Sorry, I get distracted sometimes. Is there a website for... There is, but... Hmm. I can't... Sculptress. That's what it was. Yes! Brand Flakes! Awesome! I should be looking at the chat. You guys know stuff. Um... Sculptress is actually really good as well. And it's free. Um, I have had... Uh, it crashes a lot for me, but you know, for some folks, it works great. Um, so yeah, my software Fusion 360, which is free. ZBrush from Pixelogic, which is they have their free version for trial, and then the core version is 300 bucks, and the full version is like 800. But if you buy the core version and then up later upgrade to the full version, they give you credit based off your initial purchase. So at least you're not spending $1,100 to get the full version of the software. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Here's a question. What have you tried and failed at? Um, and this is a question where my, qu my answer is going to change. Cause I remember answering this first. Um, I wanted to do dual density toys and, uh, I remember when this question first came in, that was my answer. And here in the last uh, couple months, we've figured out how to do dual density toys. And so, um, yeah, my answer is going to change there. It's no longer the dual density stuff. So what have you tried and failed at? Um, I cannot design a butt plug for my life. I, I have ideas and for whatever reason, I cannot design a butt plug that matches what I think about with the ideas that are in my head. And so, yeah, um, I continually fail. I've probably done 10 different plug models and I'm still not satisfied with any. So yeah, that will probably be my next project in terms of something that I've failed at and I want to try to try to become successful at. Hmm. Oh, misconceptions about being a dildo smith. I think that people think of dildo smiths, those of us who are in the indie toy market and make toys, I think they think of us as these ultra sexual beings or these, these people who constantly have sex on their brains. And I don't think that's the case. At least it's not for me. Um, for me, you know, being a dildo smith, making dildos is a creative outlet, but it's not, oh geez, I'm gonna use the, I'm gonna say this, but it's not quite right. It's not a sexual outlet for me. It's not a, it's not something that revs up my engine. I think that one of the things that, 
maybe one of the things that are kind of misperceived is how we talk about it is probably one way of uh, answering the question. When I'm talking to one of my employees about an idea, it is almost, it's almost mechanical in a way. We, our, our discussions are very, they may be very in depth, but they're completely divorced from the sexual aspect of it. We don't sexualize it. We have a better way of putting it because we are still talking about sex and we are still talking about how we expect a toy to be used and how we expect somebody to enjoy or missed it. But we will talk about how we expect people to enjoy the toy, which is going to involve sex. But it is not sexualized for us. Um, it's very easy for us to talk about, you know, vaginal uses, anal uses, cock rings, dildos, all of these things that they, um, they're not sexualized. It's, I'm going to use a parallel. Um, in a, a previous career, I was a jeweler and we did custom work, we did custom designs, but we're working with gold, silver, platinum. We're working with diamonds, rubies, emeralds, sapphires, this stuff that is thousands of dollars. And at first I was just like, oh my God, I've got $5,000 worth of whatever sitting in front of me. And then slowly but surely it became a thing. It lost its it lost its value in a sense. It didn't have the same I didn't perceive it the same way. And you know, dildo making is kind of the same way, is that yes, we're making these things that we expect people to use sexually, but for me in this the discussion about them has nothing sexual about it. Maybe I'm, I don't know if I'm making that, that distinction clear, but, uh, I think that's one of the misconceptions is that we sexualize the, the products. Um, I mean, I think I would be a little bit disturbed if I bought a toy and I knew that the person who made it was somehow sexually gratified by making it. I think I'd be a little bit squicked out, um, but yeah, so it's, it's not something that is sexualized for me or my employees. All right. Let's see. How long have I been going? I've been going about 45, 50 minutes or so. So if there are any other questions, get those in because I'm going to be wrapping it up fairly soon. I've got a few more questions that I want to come back around to. I want to make sure that I get to these. Oh, okay. And so one of the things that I want to mention is we are doing a Patreon. Even though you've heard me mention it before. But I wanted to mention it real quick because it is, if you are interested in getting early, getting in early on any of the dual density toys, let's see, it's the 28th now. If you are a patron by the 31st at the Flourish level or the Flourish International level, then we will send you a dual density toy. So all the patrons for this month are getting dual density toys. And actually, I think some of them may actually have them in their hands by now. But yeah, um, if you want to get in early and get a preview of what the dual density toys are like, then jump on over to patreon.com slash and 
get in at the flourish level, either the $40 or the $60. The $60 is the international version. And literally the only difference between the two is that I have to pay for shipping. And it's, it costs me about an extra 20, 25 bucks to send something outside the United States. So yeah, if you're interested, jump on over there and you can get in and I don't know, it's, it's not a hard sell. I mean, if you want in, you want in. If you don't, you don't. Not going to hurt my feelings. I think it's a great way to kind of build your collection. I think it's a great way to experience and, and find things that maybe you wouldn't have seen or tried in the past. But, uh, I mean, it's up to you. I'm not going to drive it, drive it home to, you've got to get in on the Patreon. Let's see. Mm. Okay. Final question. Um, how do you determine pricing and what, if anything, do you say to the people who say it's not worth X number of dollars? All right. So how do I determine pricing? I... There's a lot of math that goes into it, and there are a lot of things that I've done in the background. So, you know, I realize that it costs me approximately $30 an hour to have an employee in my studio. And that's rent, that's electricity, unemployment, all of everything in. It's about $30 an hour to have an employee in the building. So I know that, that base level, I know what my costs are. I know what my expenses are. And what I have found is that for me, and this is specifically my scenario, I'm going to start my pricing at somewhere between eight and $10 per ounce. So if a, if a toy weighs eight ounces, then it's going to be probably about 60. If it weighs 10 ounces, it's probably going to be 80-ish. Um, I think with the, there's some, some scaling that happens now that I have a second employee. Um, you know, it doesn't cost me $30 an hour per employee. It cost me $30 an hour for the first employee and then about another 15 to $20 an hour for the, for each subsequent employee. So if I have two employees there, it costs me about 45, $50 an hour just to have them there. And so as I am increasing my staff, I think that that's going to allow me to become more efficient in terms of creating, um, sorry, to become more efficient and that will have an impact on making pricing. I can be a little bit more aggressive with it. So maybe instead of eight to $10, it's six to $8 per ounce. And like I said, there's some scaling that happens there and makes it just a little bit easier to to be more aggressive on my pricing. So, you know, where I'm going to start is eight to $10 per ounce and go from there. Sometimes if it's a really simple pour like the dough, I'm never going to have a loss on a dough. I'm not going to have any flaws or any problem. So I'm probably not going to be at the $8 mark. But something like the, the Parabolica or the Versustum, uh, it's a lot easier to have mistakes and have losses that way. So that, uh, that will probably push the price towards the, a little bit more towards the eight to $10. Now, to the question, what do you say to the people who it's not worth X number of dollars. Um, my response to that is it's fine. That's great. I can point you to folks who make products that might be in your product, your price range. 
um, again, funk it with their no frills dows. Um, or if you don't think that my designs are worth X number of dollars, maybe built up beasts or uranoscopes or um, strange bedfellas or made to wear. Maybe they have a design that you think is a good match for the price. And I'd be happy to point out that price. It's not going to offend me if somebody says it's not worth that price. That's fine. That's okay. It's not the right product for you. I'm going to help you find the right product. But if my product isn't the right one for you, okay. not going to hurt me. Not going to hurt my feelings. Um, it's it's just not a not a thing for me. I am. I am a capitalist, but I'm not competitive. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm happy to sell my products. I'm happy to design towards an idea and hope that the, mar the market likes it. But if they don't, I'm more than happy to point them in the direction of somebody who's doing work that they might like. So, all right. I'm going to check Twitter for any last questions, any last issues, topics, messages. I think we're covered. Anybody else have any other questions? Because if not, I want to wrap it up. Actually, what do you think of the new layouts? As it kind of floats around. I actually like these. And, you know, I like the way that the parts just kind of float into their new position. And actually, watch the black logo here. When I switch over to this one, it still floats into position, but then it switches to white. And then come back here. So, and then try that one. Yeah, there it goes. Anyway, I'm a geek. I like my things. Um... I didn't actually get to use my, actually, I did get to use my touch portal app tonight. Um, when I switched over to browser share. Yeah. I was able to use it there. Um, I kept forgetting to use my next question. I had a next question button. I should have been using that. Oh, well, that's okay. Um, so yeah, I think I'm about ready to wrap it up. Unless sometimes I wonder. I I feel like I ignore Twitch a little bit, and I wonder if uh, maybe the folks on Twitch don't actually get the attention that they deserve. YouTube, YouTube is easy for me to keep up with. Um, it has a a nice way of sliding into my my chat very easily which i think i have to to focus on it just a little bit so yeah anything else bueller bueller well then we'll wrap it up i have a i have an outro button now see and it goes to to the screen where you know, the, the chat's still there but the logo's real big and i'm gone and this is usually where i just kind of wrap it up and say thanks for joining me tonight and I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh man, did you see the way that that, that logo just kind of slides in when I go to the, the post show? And I'm back for just a moment. I just figured out that I can see the different users on Twitch. I can see the, the users that are in the chat. And I completely forgot. And I didn't even have a chance to say hello to the folks that are in the Twitch chat. Because we've got have this too. I have this. And then we've got Eldalara. Lurks. Is that lurks as in lurking because you don't say anything? Okay. And Iatus. P-I-E-T-Y-S. Iatus. Hi guys. I say guys. I assume. I assume some. But yeah. All right. 
anyway i appreciate everybody joining this evening and we will do this again next week bye